Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real Estate Chat with Nat. Today, we are going to discuss mortgages. One of the most important steps when buying a home is to secure a mortgage pre-approval. Many people think that if they go online to the bank mortgage calculator and just fill in all the details, that this can act as a pre-approval, but I'm telling you that is not the case. <laughs> Having a mortgage approval requires you to sit down with a mortgage professional and give detailed financial documents so they can review all of your accounts, your debts, and your payment obligations. Today, we are lucky to have mortgage specialist Wadad Char with me on the show today. Wadad is an incredibly dedicated mortgage agent, and she's helped many of my own clients secure lending, myself included. She is also a new homeowner, a mother, and a wife, so she understands the juggling act of having a young family while also trying to build a business and save to buy a house. Wadad and I met in my first year of real estate. I had an ad on Kijiji for rental property, and her and her family reached out to me to go and see it. So we met at the property and they ended up renting the house through me. And over the years, we've kept in touch and we've always gotten along really well. So now we're actually able to do business together. It's funny because you just never know who you're going to meet in the business or uh, how you're going to help each other build each other's businesses. So today I've asked Wadad to prepare the top five things that people should know ahead of applying for a mortgage so that they can really maximize their approval. So Wadad, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for preparing these points. I'm going to ask you, what do you think the number one thing is for people to uh, figure out first before they actually apply for a mortgage? Um, first off, I just want to say thanks, Matt, for having me. This is awesome. I'm so proud of you. Uh, who would have known that many years ago when we crossed paths to, you know, have a rental unit that we would end up, you know, many years later working together and just uh, our relationship growing and growing. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, also, uh, I think that the number one thing uh, that people should focus on when purchasing a home, uh, aside from obviously getting a pre-approval, is uh, figuring out your budget. So, you know, a lot of people have a lot of expenses. Uh, growing families come with a lot of expenses. You have um, activities, you have uh, daycare costs, you have, uh, you know, um, buying clothes, buying uh, ski lessons, a, a million things really. So figuring out that budget and how much you really want to put aside just for that mortgage payment every month uh, makes all the difference. Uh, you know, sometimes you are able to go over that budget, but do you really want to? Um, are you looking to live just to pay a mortgage or do you want to actually have a life on the side as well? So those are all things that you really need to think about and budget and just write it all down and come up with a nice number that you want to stick to. And uh, that would be, uh, in my opinion, number one. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's funny because we help so many people just like buy their own house. But then like last year when I was looking for a property, I realized the first step I did was to make an Excel spreadsheet and just budget. I'm like, okay, how much like can I take on mortgage wise? And then I put in like all the Absolutely. other incidentals. So it's funny that you say that that's the first one, because I think that's like, ultimately people don't want to be like house poor. So they absolutely, yeah, they don't want to just like, absolutely. And, you know, it's also important to keep in mind, you know, are I buying a condo? Am I buying a townhouse or am I buying something detached? Are there maintenance fees involved? Because, you know, aside from your mortgage payment and contrary to what people think, that payment does not include your property taxes or that maintenance fee. And those are all add-ons on top of everything else. So definitely budgeting, uh, creating an Excel sheet, writing pros and cons, whichever is really important as a step one. 
Yeah, for sure. And those like one-time payments, like land transfer tax and everything. It's like, absolutely. Just like call them. It's like, okay, deduct that from <laughs> my savings because this is all going to that now. <laughs> so. Funny, funny you say that. Uh, side story here. I had a client two weeks ago call me and this was on her closing day and she was panicking because she had to pay an extra 30 grand. And she, the lawyer said that you owe an extra 30 grand and she's calling me and she's like, I thought you budgeted correctly. What happening you know and I'm like what do you mean of course I did and she's like no 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 no. It, it, the lawyer's saying I own extra 30 grand and I don't know where this money is coming from and I'm just like okay can you know can your lawyer send me the information or how about we just do a three-way call here Let, let's just step back I'm pretty sure between your sale and your purchase you had everything accounted for and it turns out that she totally forgot about her land transfer tax oh. and uh, the remaining portion of the down payment so you know you put your deposit there but you still have to put the rest of the down payment thankfully 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 she had you know savings on the side that she was hoping to use for renos that now she had to use for that but absolutely absolutely um definitely look into land transfer tax and closing costs lawyer fees uh some areas the land transfer tax are double so mm -hmm. keep that in mind as well so yeah exactly yes. exactly so yeah and that's a big chunk of money so it's something oh, that you yeah. want to make sure you budget for that's for sure for sure for sure <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you think for point number two? Uh, keep your income stable. So, uh, you know, a lot of clients come to me and they'll say, well, I was working for so-and-so company for five years, but I just decided to become self-employed. And I'm like, oh, can we take it back? I'm not, can you go back? Is there a way to get you back? Um, keeping your income stable, especially during COVID, is extremely important. Um, the banks want to make sure that if you are on a salary type of job, that you are, you know, you have that stability of at least three months, you're off of probation. If you are working you know, a part-time job, they want to make sure that you have at least two years of part-time work or at least consistent part-time work. Um, if you're self-employed, we want to make sure you've got two years under your belt. So it's very, very important not to make uh, life-altering changes during the time that you are deciding to, uh, you know, get a pre-approval. Definitely do it after you've got that house or, you know, way before, but not during. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very important as well. Yeah. And that's interesting that you talk about part-time employment too, because I think a lot of people have the mentality, like if they're part-time employed, that they wouldn't actually qualify for a mortgage, but that's not the case. Oh no. So we've got, you know, I have, I've had a client that worked three part-time jobs. She was a nurse and she, she worked at three different hospitals. She was working three different part-time jobs and we combined that income and we were able to get her approved. We do have um, with RBC different, uh, I would say, mortgage types for different people. It's not black and white. It's very gray. Uh, your part-time income can actually make or break your application if you do have that full-time income and you've got that part-time on the side. Um, if you're working part-time, but your partner or co-signer you know, mom or dad are working full time that that will also help as well. So definitely lots of options. And I always tell someone, you know, don't, don't assume it's always a no, there, there may be a way. And if there isn't a way, we'll work on that way. We'll get you there. So it's never a no. That's awesome. I think yeah. that opens it up for a lot of people who might've thought maybe they couldn't be approved for a mortgage. Oh so. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think for point number three? Uh, I think you should figure out your down payment. Uh, you know, so 
as a real estate agent, I'm sure you've seen people who shop around and then they walk into a million dollar home and they're like, oh my God, I'm in love. I, I really want this home. Sure. But do you have a down payment to be able to afford this house? If not, we have to stick to something, you know, within your budget. If yes, then that's great. So I think your down payment is very important. Um, the down payment is going to eventually help you get approved for a mortgage. It's also going to help you with your mortgage payment. So the bigger the down payment, the less the payment. Um, and it's also going to help with the type of mortgage. Um, we do have two different types of mortgages, uh, one where you're putting down less than 20% and one where you're putting down more. And that's where that down payment plays into effect. Um, I don't know how much details uh, I can go into or if, if, you know, if you're okay with it, but yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. So if you're putting down less than 20%, you are always subject to a mortgage insurance premium. A lot of first-time homebuyers, by the way, you don't have to be a first-time homebuyer to put five, less than 20% down. People always assume you are or have to be. Um, but you know, if it's your second home and you want to put down less than 20%, you can, you just have to qualify for it. So so there's there's a difference in you know the amortization, how long I can carry this mortgage on for. Uh, less than 20% means less than 25 years, um, which means may, you know, may or may not defer or help with your mortgage payment. So a lot of a lot of things to focus on. Um, but your down payment is very important, because that will help me decide how much I can approve you for. So you know, uh, I had a client come to me and say, you know what, dad, my budget is unlimited. Well, I don't know what that means. And how much do you have saved? Well, I don't know, how much do you need from me and I'm like, well, no, you tell me. So, so <laughs> this is a guessing game. This so, is just. So I, I don't know what's in your account. Yeah. You got password you got to your account. I'll tell yeah. you. So, yeah. so if you have, you know, 100K, I might be able to prove you for, you know, 900,000. But if you have 200K, well, now we're talking. I can probably approve you for a million dollars if your income allows it. So yeah. if you, I've had a lot of first time home buyers are, who are, I always tell them are extremely lucky that their parents can give them some money. And so, you know, you've got um, parents who are looking into refinancing their homes to help their kids buy homes because it's, everything's so expensive. And so, you know, is it gifted? Not that it can't be, of course it can be, but how much of it is gifted. So kind of figuring it out, an idea of how much I can afford, you know, it doesn't have to be an exact number, it can be, you know, my down payment's going to be between 80 to 90. And then I'll use the 90 and give you an idea or an 80 and give you an idea, but it can't be, well, you know, you tell me and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's work together. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so definitely figure out your down payment, where it's coming from and how much of that money you want to use. Um, going back to our previous points, make sure that if that down payment is gifted, is it also going to cover your closing costs? Because then that's not part of your down payment. It's just part of your closing costs. And we have to take that out. So yeah, definitely, definitely figure out your numbers. Right. Okay. And if your money, like say a hundred percent of your down payment is going to be gifted. Is there anything that like, do you have to prove that that was from somebody or does it have to be in your account for a certain amount of time or can it just be given to you? No, absolutely. We have to prove it. So there is a gift letter uh, that does need to be signed. Uh, there are two options to prove the funds are being gifted. The first option is that the person gifting you the money needs to provide bank statements. Um, so three months, 90 days history uh, that this money has been theirs. They've been saving it. It's not, you know, randomly appearing in their account. 
and they are giving you it. Or the second option, which is probably the easiest is, you know, just have them walk into a bank, a branch, whichever bank they bank with and get it stamped. So, you know, if, if it's a hundred K then have it stamped for a hundred K if it's 200, then that's what it is. And I find that a lot of people that are gifting funds prefer that just because it's a little bit more private. You're not seeing their transactions. You're not seeing their banking history. It's just, you know, given to them. Um, for gifted funds, it is supposed to come from immediate family as well. So, you know, your spouse, your dad, your mom, uh, your brother, your sister, um, the bank just wants to guarantee that this money is not being asked for later on. It's not a loan. Oh, it's a gift. I yeah. get it. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask yeah. like why, but it's basically to make sure there's no strings attached. Exactly. So just in case something happens, you know, spouses break up, friends fight, family fight. And just to say, you know, just so that no one comes back and says, no, 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 that was a loan. That money was, was, you were supposed to give me it back. I, I never, you know, I didn't want, that was not my intention. Well, on our end to us, it was gifted and they signed it. So that's all we know. Right. Oh, and so, yeah, it's to prevent, it's to prevent future, uh, future bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting because, um, I did have a conversation with a realtor just about like what happens to money that is gifted, uh, when mm -hmm. a relationship falls apart. And basically they said like, if there is no letter that says like this money was a loan, was then a loan. it was a gift and it's split 50, 50. So it's like, it's washed. Yeah. It's washed. And so in case, yeah, that's, you want to make sure that, you know, if, if that's something that you want to go down, I, I'm not a legal advisor, but yeah. I, I do know that, you know, if you're a couple and down the road, something like this, may happen, then you definitely want to take your precautions beforehand. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, how often do you find like gift, like money being gifted nowadays is like pretty common or is it? I find it very, very big with uh, first time home buyers and the younger generations. Um, you know, uh, the married couple that's just starting off or the, the son or daughter who are just starting off. Um, actually I've, I've had a few people who are, you know, elder, but what, you know, fifties, sixties, but still buying their first home where, you know, they've inherited money now and they, they, they want to pay, you know, three, 400 K down and, but it's gifted or, um, I found first time home buyers, young couples, uh, just out of university, just starting their first job. I mean, it's really hard to save these days, especially yeah. if, you know, you were renting for 24, mm -hmm. 2,500, um, how are you going to afford to save? You, you only make 50, 60 grand when you start off, for example. Yeah. So I find that gifted funds is a big issue, a big, not issue, but a big thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we welcome it. You know, if that's, yeah. what's going to help you more power to you, you're lucky. I always tell them, thank yeah. your parents, you know, yeah. they're so lucky. This is not something that's common or normal, but it does happen a lot. It's just not, you know, something that is a must. So mm -hmm. if you're getting it, you're lucky, you're blessed. Oh, for sure. Like this year I actually helped, um, this girl buy a house. And at first she was being kind of like, Oh no, I'm okay for a mortgage. Like I'm okay for a mortgage. I'm like, okay, but we need to make sure you have a mortgage. Like <laughs> I can't just let you buy a house. So you need yeah. to tell me. And she's like, honestly, my dad's actually buying this house for me. And I was like, there you go. The whole house. She's like, no, no, like he doesn't need a mortgage either. I'm like, Wow. So on yeah. closing day, like he came to see the house. He's like, Oh, I'm just curious what I bought for 800,000. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so I gave them both a closing gift with like a card. I was just like, Congratulations. Like, you're so lucky to have this yeah. father <laughs> who can help Absolutely. you with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have. 
I have run into a few clients like that, but then I, I'm not doing a mortgage for them. So they're yeah. not really clients, but you know, just conversations yeah. and, and, and I've had clients say, well, it doesn't really matter. We're good. And I'm like, what do you, what, like, what does that mean? And they're, and they're like, no, 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 we're just going to pay it off in cash. And I work at a lot of pre-construction sites, um, especially in the Etobicoke area, because that's my main area. And um, I had a lot of clients that come in, whether they're elderly downsizing or whether they're first time home buyers and their parents are helping them out and they're like, oh, we just need a pre-approval letter, but eventually this is not gonna matter. And I'm like, but why? And they're like, well, we're just gonna buy it in cash. And I was like, okay, I get it, yep, yep. <laughs> so I'm gonna need to save about, you know, 20 years to be able to do what you're doing, but okay, I get it. So yeah, it does happen. But you know, when they do um, pay it off in cash, it's always good to refer them back to a mortgage specialist because they can get a secured line of credit. Oh. And uh, a lot of people don't know, but uh, when your house is paid off in cash, it's more geared towards a lot of fraud. Um, your title is basically free and clear. You don't owe anything. So anyone can go ahead and take out a lien or something on your property without you knowing. You wouldn't know unless you did a title search. Um, you wouldn't know if there is any money against this property. So having a secured line of credit makes the bank or helps the bank put a lien against your property for a certain amount. So if anyone were to go ahead and try to put another lien, it would automatically trigger something for the bank, we would know. And so I always tell people that if the property is free and clear, take out a secured line of credit, you don't have to use it. I mean, it's there for emergencies or a second property, but, uh, but you know, it's there and you're safe, you're, you're avoiding this fraud. And so what would like a typical value of a line of credit be? Would it be like the value of the house or a portion of the like cost, like 10% or? Yeah, so a secured line of credit can go, if you're getting a mortgage portion, so if you're actually taking a mortgage out, you can go up to 80%. If wow. you want it, yeah, if you want it free and clear and you just want to be able to have that line of credit as a safety net, 65% of the value of your house. And, you know, I just did a, I just did one for a client. Um, they decided that they wanted to purchase an investment property, but also invest in the stock market. And they took out about 950K. It's not bad. Yeah. So you never know the value of your house increases and you're able to take out more. Yeah. It's an interesting time too for stock markets, just because like everything's basically in the toilet. <laughs> so bye, 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 bye. Money <laughs> it's going to go up. It's so. going to go up. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, take that money exactly. and run. I'm actually just dabbling. I started dabbling a few months ago myself in like a direct investing account where you get to purchase and buy and sell on your own. And I'm mm -hmm. looking at all these stuff. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just like, oh, you guys think, you know, this is good. All right, let's buy this. What do you think of this? But I'm not going to spend too much because I don't know. And so, yeah, yep. I just started. I know I've actually done the same just because I'm like, you never know, maybe I'll put it all in the right one and we'll see what happens. But yeah, um, my <laughs> logic is that anything digital has to go up in price right now. And so I've, I've started investing in like doc hub and, yeah. you know, like stuff doc like that. And huge. yeah, it's been going, it's been going well. Good. Let's get it. Yeah. Yeah. Make on. my millions and Make buy another millions. property. Yeah. <laughs> the stock market brilliant lady. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So what would be point number four for people? to? Um, I think a good idea going into home ownership is not to have a lot of debt. 
you don't want to spread yourself too thin. You might be able to afford this property with the debt that you have, but why go into a property making three, $4,000 a month mortgage payment, adding the property taxes, maybe maintenance, and still paying all that debt. So I think that, you know, if you can have your down payment handy and still be able to, you know, chop off some of that debt before you move in, I think is a great idea. Um, I've had plenty of clients uh, purchase cars while they're doing their pre-approvals. Um, I think we had a mutual client and uh, <laughs> what have, and like, it, congratulations, it, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it gives me a heart attack every time I get an email or a phone call with someone telling me, oh, but things change. Can you extend my pre-approval? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Anything changed? Not really. Oh, so I pulled the credit bureau and I find this like thousand dollar Lexus payments and I'm oh. like, Man. But what's this? And then, like, oh, <laughs> but that's just a car payment. Like, that's not supposed to affect anything, is it? You think? So, you know, um, don't take on any new debt while you are looking uh, to buy a property and try to pay off the debt that you have. It does make a huge difference. Um, you know, when I do the numbers in my head, I always tell my clients a $500 debt payment, and it could be anything, it could be a car, it could be a maintenance fee, it could be a credit card payment is about $50,000 off of a mortgage approval. So can you imagine that's a big, that's a big number. That's your negotiation power. If you're in like a, a part where you're, you know, bidding, outbidding someone that 50k is a big difference. So that's I always tell people just wait, get get the house. Let's sign on the dotted lines. Let's get you approved. And then, you know, if you can still afford it later on, do whatever you need to do. But would you rather live in a Lexus or a house? I mean, I don't know. So <laughs> how big is yeah. the trunk? <laughs> yeah. Is it going to fit all your clothes, all my shoes? No. <laughs> so yeah. definitely, definitely don't take on anything new and try to pay off what you have. Yeah. I actually, I have um, a first time home buyer that's like getting all their ducks in a row. And I was just having a conversation with them. Like, okay, here's like what I'm thinking you could probably afford. And, you know, but, and then she says to me, well, I have a car loan. I was like, okay, like on average, how much is that? About 500. I'm like, okay, but your husband, like he, he owns this car. She's like, oh no, he also has like a $500 payment per month. <laughs> I'm like deducting. I'm like, honestly, like this is going to be tight like yes. on one income. So I'm like, okay, I, I told them that formula. Cause you had told me that yeah. before. And she was like, there's yeah. no way I'm like, I'm hoping for you that when it's time, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a client uh, call me who I had done a pre-approval for last year and he hadn't bought anything, but he uh, found a deal on a condo. Uh, I think it was a kitchen or something and he really wanted it. And my conversation with him at that time was you have four car loans. Oh my God. Yeah. He's a car salesman. He's co-signed for his two kids, his wife, I think, or his sister, I can't remember, and himself. And so four car loans, $2,500 worth of payments just on cars. And I'm like, you, you, you got to pay this. You, you got to get rid of these. And he's like, no, these are leases. I can't. I'm like, you got to give them back. Just give them back. Just <laughs> give them back. <laughs> I'm like, why are you co-signing for people? He's like, no, this is family. I'm like, no, 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 no. Why are you co-signing for people? So, um, and unfortunately, you know, we couldn't do it. We had to send them to our B lender department. And, and so just rule of thumb guys is, you know, keep that car payment as low as possible. I know people have to drive. I know we need a car, um, but don't go into a major purchase um, at the time of pre-approval. Just wait, just find your home first. And then, you know, you can, you can buy that, you know, Wrangler or whatever it is later on. Mm -hmm. 
So say you have a husband and wife and the Mm -hmm. husband works and the wife like maybe has a part-time job and they need to buy a new car. So if the husband's the one that's like applying for the mortgage, would you suggest them putting the car under the wife's name? 100%. If Uh, the wife, well, first, first I would see if the husband needs the wife's income to qualify for something more. So if the wife's part-time income is going to increase that pre-approval by 50K and we need that 50K to get a decent place, then I would say, just wait. Mm -hmm. If, for example, we don't need the wife's part-time income because it's minimal, you know, some, some, some people work uh, as volunteers here and there, um, or, you know, they work maybe two, three hours a week, just to get out of the place or just get out of the house for a little bit. So that income is not going to really break or make an application. It's only two, $3,000 extra or whatnot. So in that case, I would say, yeah, definitely. If you can find a way to put it under your wife's name and you know, that's what you can do, definitely do that. Um, but if you need her income, I would wait. So the conversation first has to happen with the mortgage specialist, figure out your numbers, figure out what you're looking for, and then absolutely go ahead. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Good tip. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so the fifth point, what would you suggest? I think this point is the most important point. Um, I think finding the right uh, mortgage specialist, if my ear from keeps falling <laughs> off, uh, I think finding the right team to work with is the most important thing. Um, I think I've been working with you for quite some time. Um, and I even the clients that you refer to me, they come come from you, um, you know, they, they, they believe in you, they trust in the person that you're sending them to, and you know what they want, you know who they are, you know their personalities, um, you get to know them. And it doesn't mean that you've been, you know, working with them for years, it could be someone new, but you put the time and the effort in to get to know them. And, and I think that um, having the right realtor that knows the area, knows you and is really willing to put in the work and the effort to find something for you is definitely, uh, you know, so important. But then having that realtor work with a mortgage specialist that she also knows or he also knows and is comfortable with and, you know, and, and them working together, I think is what's going to make or break a deal. Um, because, you know, a mortgage specialist that there's mortgage specialists that will just look at a deal and be like, yeah, no, it's not going to work. And then there's yeah. mortgage specialists that will be like, you know what? No, let's find a way to make it work. And if it can't work now, maybe we can make it work in a few months. Let's, let's do this, 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 this to make it work. And so not everybody's like that. Not everybody cares to put in the time and the effort and not everybody has the time to put in that time. So I think finding the right team, working with your team, being open and honest with that team about everything that involves your credit and your purchase and your purchase history is definitely going to help you get to where you want to go. For sure. I feel like trust in our business is so important. I can always tell like when I first have a client come to me and they're a little bit like trepidatious to tell me anything. And I'm like, listen, we need to like get past this because I need to make sure I give you the best advice. Like I want you to buy a house that you love, but you have to be able to afford it. (laughs) So it's like, absolutely. And I do the same thing. So I had, it's unfortunate, but because of COVID, a lot of clients have lost their jobs and a lot of clients have, you know, been in, um, in, uh, in difficult situations. And I had a, uh, a couple, um, you know, who I was working with for over a year and uh, we had them pre-approved. They found a property. They purchased the property. They waived the condition to finance, and then you know they sold. They put their house on sale only a month before they were ready to close. And so, 
it so happened that the condo market in Toronto dropped when they put it up for sale. So we were hoping for a certain amount and they didn't even get anywhere near that amount. And so it was just a horrible and awful situation. And, you know, I, it was contrary to the advice that I had given them, you know, their realtor was confident it would sell. It didn't sell. And they, I had to send them to a B lender. And even with the B lender, it was so complicated and, and confusing. And I never heard back from them. I'm sure that they've worked it out some way, somehow, but being honest and upfront and, and, you know, having that trust and working it out with your agents is so important. And, you know, listening to everybody's, I don't know. I mean, it just so happened. I feel awful for them to this day, but that, that happened. I've had clients, you know, where they're like, Oh, don't worry. Just tell us the numbers you need and we'll work it out. And I'm like, no, no, that's not going to work either. No, no, sorry. So being honest with me, telling me where your head is at and what your numbers are and, you know, having me reach out to your realtor and contact them and having that relationship as well. It just makes it all the better. Yeah. I find like when I first start working with people and they're sort of like, Oh, don't worry. Like we'll find our own mortgage agent. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I have a really great one. And basically like, you know, obviously like I just love working with you, but I also, I appreciate that you'll go above and beyond. And like, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, listen, like there are differences in agents, like the the difference in brokerage. Like you have to make sure that you find somebody who is going to go to bat for you and is going to really put the effort in. So I'm like, if you don't find that, let me know, because I don't want you off, you know, rolling around, finding all these weird people to work with that aren't going to actually try and help you when that crucial moment happens and you need somebody. So it is important to find like a really great team to work. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate that. And, you know, I, I understand that I've had tons of clients this past year that have come to me with lower interest rates who I've actually won their business just because of, you know, the relationships that we built. And I've had clients that I've lost because of interest rates and that's totally understandable as well. Um, but I always, always tell my clients, especially now that everything's done digitally, um, you know, we're signing documents digitally. We're having, uh, you know, WebEx calls to make sure the IDs match. We're not having that personal face-to-face kind of touch that meeting that one-on-one we're doing everything digitally and I always tell people you know what's going to separate your experience with me from others you will see is the time and effort that I put into your application and to my responses and to you know working with you and and sometimes for me personally that trumps any rate so for sure or any other deal and some people are not you know they prefer the lower rate and I totally get that as well Mm. so you know it's a it's a it's a it's a hit and miss sometimes, but it's mm. totally understandable. Have you found that there are people that aren't closing on properties because of COVID related, like job losses and stuff, or have you found that because of like CERB, like people have kind of been able to bridge the gap fairly well? So we were at one point taking into consideration the CERB income, um, instead of the, uh, so basically this is what happens. A client comes to me and applies for something, um, and we get them approved. And let's say, unfortunately they lose their job some way somehow and they're now on CERB. uh we they come back to me they let me know at this point i have to now take into consideration the CERB income and i have to make sure that they can still qualify to carry this mortgage um i have been my clients luckily you know knock on wood i haven't had to come across that situation um i have had situations where they've come to me from day one on serving income which is completely different because then we're not lowering any mortgage amounts we're just working with what we have um however uh, i think a few months ago we stopped taking into consideration the serving income 
So as of now, if you are on CERB, you cannot qualify for a mortgage with RBC. You might be able to do something with our B lenders, um, which we would have to refer you to, um, but with RBC directly, no. Um, when I say B lenders, just because I've been saying it a lot, it's a, it's a second department within RBC that works with um, mortgage companies like Home Trust or Street Capital. Uh, normally, they work with applications that, you know, we can't get approved. It doesn't have to be someone who's bankrupt or someone who has low credit scores. It could be someone who has multiple properties and just can't, you know, we can't make it work at the bank. And so we, we have them go to our B lenders for a year or so and try to bring them back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And usually they're a little bit more expensive per month, right? They, uh, I think they charge a processing fee. So mm-hmm. off of the purchase price, I think it's about 1%. Um, and then there's an appraisal fee and the interest rate, yes, is higher. But I mean, I, I had to send someone there the other day and they're like, oh, but the interest rate's higher. And I'm like, but you won't get a mortgage. So, <laughs> so you know, it's, 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 it's give and take. Uh, but also the interest rate is actually not so bad. So I think the last time I checked, it was roughly in the three percentile. And if you think about it, last year, people were paying 3%. So it was only this year that rates, well, 2020, that rates dropped, but 2019, people were paying 3% anyway. Um, so that's, that's it's, it's okay. And you do it for a year and you get your affairs in order and we try to bring you back into RBC. We actually get a notification that you're up for renewal and we'll reach out to you directly and try to bring you back into RBC. So our main goal is to eventually have you with us. But you know, if we can't, we don't want you to lose on that property either. So we try to get you approved uh, through our B lenders. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, um, I've also, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I all, speaking of high interest rates, we have found a lot of people breaking mortgages as well, just to get uh, or take advantage of the lower interest rates. So that's something that's been really big. Yeah, I definitely want to try and take advantage of the low rate yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. so what is like the average rate right now that is being offered? You know, I, I uh, everybody asks me that question. I have clients call me. I've, I People randomly, you know, ask that question. And I always say it's never set in stone. Um, I can tell you off the top of my head that a 25-year mortgage could range anywhere from, you know, 1.62 all the way up to 1.87. And you'll say, well, what does that depend on? Well, it depends on your down payment. Uh, If you're, you know, less than 20%, a high, high ratio mortgage or not. But it also depends on, you know, how hard we fight for that rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it starts off at 1.87, but it could end up a lot lower depending on, you know, your, your, I always tell people it's the whole package. So it's, it's the type of client you are, how long you've been with us. If you're new to us, um, you know, uh, it depends on a lot of things. And we always tend to build that story and kind of send it up to that person that approves those rates for us. So, so it's never set in stone, um, which is why I say, let's, let's try, let's see what we can do for you and let's try to win your business. That's so awesome. Well, I really hope that this year we can buy another property at some point and take advantage Yay. of those low interest rates. Absolutely. Really nice. Absolutely. I have to start getting my own pre-approval papers all in order. <laughs> I know that, like, waiting for those. <laughs> I know. It's like right now there's no houses on the market. It was like I had found this one house and I was like, I love it. I want it. And then yeah. we let it go. And now I'm just, there's nothing on the market. So I'm just like waiting. See? And looking. Had yeah. you had your affairs in order I and know. your pre-approval. 
approval, you may have been able to, but no, I'm just joking. It's true. I, I, I truly believe everything is written and if it's good for you, it'll come your way. And if it's not good written, so I know so not this one, but the next one. I believe that too, but like every once in a while, I'll still drive by that house and be like, why wouldn't you do one for me? <laughs> I don't get it, but I'm like, let it go, yeah. Natalie. It's gone. <laughs> like I've watched the people well, like put a bin outside and start like doing renovations. I'm like, you're lucky. Are you going to sell it anytime soon? You know, <laughs> <laughs> not just go door knocking. I'm a realtor, like poke my head in, try and see what's That's going so on. Funny. I'm obsessed with houses. I'm on realtor.ca daily and I downloaded this new app called House Sigma. I don't know if you've heard of it oh, as well. So, it, yeah. oh my, I'm sure you have because I'm sure it's like the burden for every real estate agent. Cause I like will look at it and I'm like, how much do you sell for? Let me see the pictures. Let me see the area. And I'm like, okay, my next, you know, and I just keep yeah. thinking. And so I'm on there daily hoping that, you know, my, our, our next house is going to like finally show up. So yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Honestly, it's kind of nice to have House Sigma because I find that people come to me with like a little bit more knowledge than what they used to. Before it was like they were totally dependent on me to tell them like what houses sold that's for. True. And now it's like, they're like, oh no, that one was actually listed previously. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's good. Like, you know, <laughs> good to know. And like, yeah, also like, yeah. I'm glad that people see what's happening because they can sort of formulate their own opinion of what the market's like. So yeah, if they see house, you know, was listed $6.99, it sold for $800. They know. Definitely like, lowballed it. Yeah. Like, that's um, what you can expect. You know what? I have a question for you. Where do you see the market going? I mean, it was a hot year uh, last year, I think, for the both of us. And, uh, you know, people always ask me, well, what do you think is going to happen? And I'm like, I really don't know. You know, we don't know. But what do you think is going to happen? I think we're definitely in obviously unpredictable times. I mean, yeah. um, I, I had thought that COVID-19 was going to freeze the market a little bit and that Same. transactions would slow down. So I was kind of prepared for a slow year and the opposite happened. Same. So I was kind of surprised with how busy it was when so many people were projected to lose their jobs. Um, yeah. I think in 2021, things are opening back up. So I think we're gonna see another strong market, but I think yeah. that at some point um, people are going to sort of shift away from just wanting to change their surroundings and focus yeah. a little bit more on things they missed out on, like travel and like want to save money for, true. you know, like other things because yeah. I myself, yeah. I'm like, I have my own little travel budget right now. And I'm just like, as soon as it's safe, like as soon as I, I can wait go, to book that ticket. <laughs> yeah. And that's going to feel the same way. Yeah. And it's going to take away yeah. some of the savings. So I think that's one factor. I think that the other factor is that businesses are going to have to sort of reevaluate and just say yeah. like, okay, we had losses and actually have to yeah. make some tough decisions. For sure. I think that the Toronto condo market um, has taken a big hit this year and yeah. it's going to take some time, I think, to recover because a lot of investors have had to sort of make the decision to cut their losses and sure. put their market, their condos on the market, which right now there's like 87% more condos on the market than last year at the same yeah. time. So yeah. I had a lot of clients. Um, I had a lot of clients uh, sell um, because they had to, because they had bought and uh, a lot of them had to drop the price, especially around the Etobicoke, Toronto area, you know, 30, 40, 50 K just to get it to sell because they needed the money, the equity to buy something else. So I had clients who thankfully their incomes were good enough that they could carry both and rent the condo out until it picks up again or in hopes that it picks up again so that they can sell it at their own leisure. But you know, that's, that's rare that you can afford both. You know, you, you've yeah. got to be in a really good position there. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And I've also seen a little bit of like a change in mindset for buyers, like people who I, who are young, they're looking for their forever home right now. And I'm like, forever home, you're supposed to have like five sales in your lifetime. (laughs) Like, what do you mean forever home? But they're like, they want to like go outside the city and they want a big house and they just want to stay there. And I'm just like, okay, like that's an interesting mentality because before it was like stepping stones, whereas people now just kind of blow their budget, go and like purchase something large in the country. Like that's the yeah. trend I've been seeing. I've, I've also wondered about that because I have a lot of clients that work from home and they're like, well, we don't have to go back to work full time or, you know, at the, at the office until, you know, September of 2021 or whatever it is. And I keep in my head, I'm thinking, well, what are you going to do after? Like, what if you do go back five <laughs> days a week? Like what's going to happen? Because, you know, everybody, and I've noticed the exact same thing. All my clients, the young professionals, the people that can work from home are all buying in the outskirts. They're, they're, I've got, you know, people buying in Coburg and people going to Blue Mountain and people yeah. buying, like buying cottages and stuff like that and just living there. And I'm just like, well, what do you need to do later? Like what, what's going to happen? But then I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're, they're onto something that I don't know about. So yeah, for me, I'm more of a play it safe kind of person. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the middle, not too close, not too far, but yeah. so I, I'm hoping that it'll always be a good market, but you never know. You yeah. really never know. You're right. Yeah, no, I think it will be interesting once but like businesses open back up and they do have to sort of be bum in chair at the office again to see like flooding back to Toronto because right now if you go to Toronto it's kind of a ghost town it's really weird um and so I don't know like once people are actually like open back up I think that people will be calling us to be like okay need to come back like let's sell yeah. Buy. And then it will be and hopefully because they bought for so much lower than they would have originally, they've been able to save <laughs> so that they can put a bigger down payment when they come That's back. True. Yeah. 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 Like a monstrosity of a condo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for this. Honestly. Thanks for having me, Nat. It was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate you. you giving us all your personal experiences and you're sharing your expertise with us. It always helps. Um, thank you to our listeners for also staying with us. If you'd like to follow Wadad Char on Instagram for more interesting content, please do so. Um, her Instagram handle is at RBC Wadad Char. We'll put a link below so that you can just easily click and follow. Don't forget to hit subscribe and to leave us a five-star review if you found this very helpful. If you have any comments or questions, please comment below. So thank you to our listeners. Thank you to Wadad and we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye.